Bobby Connor. Good. Amen. God bless you. Well, good. God bless you. Good morning. Have a seat. Well, it is a good morning, isn't it? It really is. It, it's a good, good morning. Uh, isn't God good? I mean, really, he is really, really good. I'm so thankful for his mercy, aren't you? Oh, listen. Uh, don't you love the grace of God? I'm sad that some are preaching a, a, a grace that's not really compatible with the Bible, but I like the real grace of God in the Bible. Titus 2.11, grace. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for a blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. That's Titus 2.11. That's the kind of grace I want. The grace of God that brings salvation, sanctification, and expectation. Titus 2.11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Any grace that doesn't promote purity uh, is not the grace of God. You, know, you understand it? It's, grace is not a license to live loose. 2 Corinthians 7 1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us purify ourselves from every bit of the contamination of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the reverential fear of God. Wow. That's far removed from the hyper grace message, isn't it? That we're, we're to have the holy fear of God. I'll tell you, our problem is we're way too familiar with the God we barely know. But get ready, he's going to reintroduce himself to his people. Aren't you glad? You say, what are you talking about? Revelations 1 is a good one. Remember John, John the Revelator, the best, biggest best friend Jesus had. It says that John laid his head upon the heartbeat of Jesus. And now we find him on the Isle of Patmos, somewhere around 98, 96 years old. Uh, Josephus said he'd been boiled in oil. Wow, wow. Think about that for a moment. This is the best friend Jesus had, apparently, closest one, laid his head on the chest of Jesus, heard the rhythmic heartbeat of the Lamb of God, and now he's 90-something years old. They've tried to uh, kill him, boil him in oil. He's not dead, but he is a prisoner in a penal colony on the Isle of Patmos. I went there to see what the Isle of Patmos looked like. It's a nine-mile-long rock island where the uh, Romans sent to their prisoners to quarry out rocks for their forts. Here's the best friend of Jesus in a prison colony, and he could have been going, hey, being your friend sucks. Nah. <laughs> That's not what John did. Revelation 1 said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. See, your attitude can change your atmosphere no matter where your geographical location is. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice. And I turned to see the voice, and he's reintroduced to Jesus. He sees him in a whole new, a whole new realm. Wow, what does he do? Hey, man, great to see you. No, it said he fell on his feet. He fell on his face as though he was dead. Uh, Greek says he probably was. Wow. I'm telling you guys, I want us to realize something about God. He's infathomable. That's what it says. Yeah, he's inscrutable. He, he's beyond understanding all about. Anybody goes, oh, yes, I know all there is about God. It's an idiot. All throughout endless eons of eternity, you'll never know all about God. You know why? Every millimoment of eternity, God will be unfurling more of his majesty. Can you imagine the intrigue of that? Endless eons of eternity and never coming to the end of God. Wow! No wonder the angels go, oh, oh 
holy. Because every moment they're seeing more of the majesty of Almighty God. Wow, wow. Have you ima- can you imagine all of this in heaven too? Yeah. I don't know where we get this. Well, you know, God's never done nothing for me. Wow, he took you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you into the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians 1.13 said, he translated us out of the kingdom of death and darkness into the kingdom of light, love, and liberation of his son. Colossians 1.13. He took us out to put us in. Aren't you glad? Yes, sir. This is, uh, well, we're going to have a good time. I really mean that. Don't come to church and not have a good time. I really mean that. You know, it, listen, just, just think about it for a moment. If you don't learn to enjoy Jesus, heaven's going to be hell for you. <laughs> Captured with Jesus for all eternity. Listen, we've got to learn to enjoy Jesus. Look for him. One time I was in the Swiss Alps. Oh, man, I was walking in the mountains of the Swiss Alps. I'm, I'm listen, I'm, I'm hassling like a runned bull. Because <laughs> it's high. And it's hard to walk up the things, and the, it's big old granite mountains. So I'm walking up this magnificent mountain, and the Lord said, isn't that beautiful? I said, oh, yes, Lord. I thought he was talking about the mountains. And he said, no, isn't that beautiful? And I'm looking at the mountains and the sky behind the mountains. I said, oh, yes, Lord. And he said again, no, isn't that beautiful? I said, what? And he said, that. And I looked down on the pathway, and there's a little bitty purple flower, no bigger than the head of a match. And I got on my knees and got down there and looked. It was the most integral, beautiful little flower you could imagine. And the Lord said, Bobby, I watched that seed as it was cascaded over the mountains by the wind. I watched it as it nestled between that rock, and I've nourished it. We've got to take time to see the things God's doing. Anybody could see the majestic mountain. But I almost overlooked the little bitty flower. I think we've got to do Psalms 46, 10, and 11. Be still and know that I am God. Boy, the Lord came to me, poked his finger in my face and said, Hey! Yes! Hey! Tell my people, when it comes to seeking me, I detest multitasking. Oh, look out now. That's what he said. When it comes to seeking me, I detest multitasking. And he gave me a Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13. You will find me when you search for me and seek for me with all your heart. Then he said, tell the people half-hearted obedience is nothing but cloaked rebellion. Half-hearted obedience is nothing but cloaked rebellion. Wow. So it's time to seek the Lord, isn't it? That's what it says. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Now, I'm telling you guys, this is a season we can really connect with the Lord. I was preaching and I'd put my hand like that and I'd run into what felt like to me saran wrap. That plastic stuff you can wrap up your hot dog in or something. And I pushed like that and I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, it's a membrane. It's a membrane between this world and the spirit world and it's thinner than it's ever been. The things of God are accessible right now. Zechariah 3, 7 says, you tender the things I've given you to do. I will give you open access to my presence. Wow. So I looked up open access. It means unfettered. Nothing standing in the way of the presence of God. Wow, Zechariah 3, 7. All right, don't you want to get in his presence? Why do we need to get in his presence? Psalms 16, 11. Psalm 16, 11 says, With him is a pathway of life, and in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
If you're looking for the most powerful statement in the Bible, it's the most powerful statement in the Bible is the right hand of God. That's the ultimate authority is the right hand of God. Where's Christ seated? Right hand of God. Where are you seated? In Christ. We're seated in heavenly places at the most powerful thing in the whole universe, the right hand of God. Wow. Isn't that something? Remember it says, be still and know that I am God. Is there any benefit to knowing God? Oh, Daniel eleven thirty two 32b. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32b, it says, But the people that do know their God will do mighty exploits. One translation says, They will display strength and take action. Now, the devil knows that verse. So one of his number one ploys is to keep you so busy, you won't be still and know God. He knows if you get to know God, you're going to be empowered and you'll be able to do mighty exploits. You'll take action. Do you know uh, everyone in the Gospels present Jesus in a different genre? I love the Gospel of Mark. The most repetitive word in the Gospel of Mark is immediately and straightway. Mark is the Gospel of action. Don't you like action? My wife and I are really different on the kind of movies we like. Uh, I, I like movies that have action in it. Oh, man, you know, listen. But my wife likes movies with them long dresses and slow music and dancing. Oh, Lord. I mean, somebody's got to blow something up. You know what I mean? But, you know, so anyway, that's the that's I like the Gospel of Mark. It's the book of action. Immediately, straightway. Hey, you know, don't you like that? I, I, see, Mark, I, I like Mark chapter 5. It says Jesus came across the sea and he puts a little boat and steps off the boat. He says, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. I call that man that met Jesus the nude, rude dude. Woo! Have you read about him, Mark chapter 5? He ain't got a stitch of clothes on. He's been living a, a maniac life in a tomb up there. Good Lord. I've been greeted by a lot of people, but nothing like that. Yeah, there he is, totally naked, scars all over him. And he comes running, screaming, Jesus! Well, wow. Now, that's, that, that's really happened. It said had an unclean spirit. It's a Greek word called demonizomaya. It means he was under the total control of devils. See, these people that want to play around with Satanism, look, there's a full, full flower of Satanism. This guy's living, a maniac, in a tomb, sliding, cutting himself, suicidal day and night. Does that sound like you want to take a trip to Harry Potter? No, that's what the devil does. He drives you out of your mind, tries to kill you. So, but Jesus, when he shows up, anybody is harvestable. Do you see that? This guy's naked comes running down there screaming, Jesus, son of the most high God, whatever. Have you come to tremendous before a time? I'll answer that. Yes. We're not going to build a church where demons are comfortable. We're going to build a church so full of the power and the presence of Jesus. When demons step in, they manifest. And you cast them out. Cast them out. Yeah. I'll guarantee you from heaven, God has released a new anointing for deliverance. I was over in Mannheim, Germany, in a Russian church. Now, that sounds geographically impossible. I was in Mannheim, Germany, in a Russian church. A lot of the Russians migrated down to Mannheim, Germany. I'm there preaching, and man, it is packed out to the hilt with these wild Russians. They're wilder than a tree full of monkeys, man. I'm telling you, they're eager after God. Anyway, have you seen like on 4th of July these big old firecrackers that go and make a big ball? 
That happened above the heads of the Germans, the Russians there in Mannheim. And an angel came walking out of the fire, walking over the heads of those people to me. And he gets this far in front of me and jerks out a, a sword out of the sheath. And he pointed to the inscription on the sword. And it had Isaiah 61 verse 1. Isaiah 61 verse 1 said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's anointed me to set the captives free. And so he said, Announce that the Spirit of deliverance has come to the church. So I announced it then, and I bet you 400 uh, Russians ran forward and got delivered. Just at the proclamation that God was releasing an, an anointing for deliverance in the church. Remember Isaiah 61, verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's anointed me to set the captives free. Jesus stood and said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Remember that one? Yes. So you're sitting in there, so I won't pull your beard. You doing good? Good. God bless you. God's got good big plans for us, hasn't he? Can you imagine he wants bigger and better for us than we could ever engineer for ourselves? Really, he does. He wants you to succeed in every arena of your life. He really does. He wants you to excel. Have you studied the book of Revelations, the benefits of becoming an overcomer? To him that overcomes, I will grant to do something. First overcomer says the second death won't have any hold over you. So the first benefit of becoming an overcomer in the seven churches there in the Revelation is you ain't going to hell. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? Yeah, the second death has no charge over you. Wow. Anyway, you can study seven church letters and find that what it is to be an overcomer. If you're walking with Christ, you are victorious. I love Romans 8.37. Romans 8.37 says, yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors. Paul had to come up with a new word. He wrote the word hooper Nike, super overcomer. Aren't you glad you're a super overcomer through Christ? Yet amid all these things, Romans 8, 37, all of what things? Anything and everything the devil can shovel your way. In the middle of all that, you're super victorious. Wow. No weapon formed against you. Prosperous, Isaiah 54, 17. You understand this? 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I'm telling you, you can't be defeated if you're walking with God. Yeah. Yeah. You say, well, I know a lot of people are struggling. Listen, yea, though I walk through the valley. Say through. through. You'll come through it. Like I told you last night, right in the middle of it, sometimes God will holler time out and throw you a party. <laughs> Psalms 23 said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. Wow. Those are victory banquet words. Right in the middle of the battle. See, the devil threw all this on you trying to drive you away from God, and it drove you to God. Isn't that good? Wow. God wants to be your friend. Isn't it John 15, 15? Yes, I don't call you a servant, but a friend. That's right. All right. Let's look into this book. You want to? Listen, if you're looking into this book, this book will look into you. It's a mirror. It shows you how you really are. It shows us. Our... Have you ever been to these circuses where they've got these big old room full of crazy mirrors? You look one way and you're skinny, and you look another way and you're big as a blimp. And it, it's, but you look in this mirror, and it shows you your actual portrait, who you really are. So I, I, want, I want you to, I, I want to go, I want you to go with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. I'll tell you what happened. Uh, an angel came to me and talked to me, and I'll, I'll tell you about that. You want to hear about it? Sure, Bobby. I live in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, and. Um, so I'm there, and it's a wonderful uh, portal because of the Moravians. The Moravians have had a 100-year prayer meeting 24 hours a day for 100 years. 
the Moravians. Where they built my house in Moravian Falls, the Moravians got it on my birthday back in the 1700s and deeded it to Jesus Christ, the land. This is all true. You can document it over there in the, uh, I read the original uh, surveyor's notes myself. But anyway, uh, God sent me there and it's a wonderful portal. It's a place where uh, there's revelatory release like you can't imagine. So I'm on my porch writing, typing actually. And the trees are beautiful. People come to watch the trees because they're uh, during the fall, they turn beautiful colors. And anyway, there I am, and I'm typing away, and the trees are dancing methodically and mystical, and I'm, I'm typing away. And I got wind chimes here. I guess they say, that I think it's maybe 18 feet off the ground. And there, there's my wind chimes, and they're dealing. And I'm just, I'm caught up in another world. And I'm typing along. Then I realized that I realized I didn't hear my wind chimes. You know what I mean? And then so I looked at the trees. They're still dancing in the brook. I looked at my wind chimes standing in the air holding my wind chimes as an angel. He's got his hands around my, uh, my wind chimes just like this. He looked at me in the chair with my typewriter and he goes, got your attention? And he turned loose to the wind chimes and so helped me God. My wind chimes started playing the song, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Then the Lord spoke to me and said, tell the body of Christ. They'll learn more about the majesty of the master from the book of Colossians than any other book in the Bible. You will learn more about the ministry of the master from the book of Colossians than any other book. So I thought, okay. So I started the intense study of the book of Colossians. I'll give you a couple of verses about it. You'll, you'll look at a couple of verses in Colossians that tell us a little bit about the supremacy of Christ. Uh, here's one. Uh, verse 15 says, for in him... That in for in for it was in him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things that are seen and things that are unseen, whether it be thrones or dominions, all things are created and exist through him and by him and for his intervention. Verse 17, and he himself existed before all things, and in him all things consist and hold together. Verse 18, and he also is ahead of his body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that he, he alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place and stand and be in preeminence for it pleased the father that all the divine fullness the sum total of divine perfection and powers and attributes should dwell in him permanently does that sound like we ought to get to know Jesus deeper and look at verse look at Colossians 2 3 in him all the treasures of divine wisdom and comprehensive insights into the ways and the purposes of God and in all the rich riches of spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden. Wow. Say all. all. Everything you need to know about God is hidden in Christ. Wow. Colossians 2 verse 3. Well, anyway, we need to know more about Jesus, don't we? So here's what the Lord came to me and said, Bobby, that's me. He said, tell the body of Christ, that's you, I am preparing to answer the prayer Paul prayed in Colossians chapter 1. That's an incredible word. That is an exciting, exhilarating word. Almighty God, Jesus Christ said to me, tell the body of Christ, I am preparing to answer the prayer Paul prayed in Colossians chapter 1. But the Pathway to the answer to that prayer, the pro protocol to receiving it is this. For all that are zealously in love with the Holy Spirit. 
Tell my people, all that are zealously in love with the Holy Spirit, I am preparing to answer the prayer Paul prayed in Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 8. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 8. Remember I told you uh, we were going to talk about how to be invigorated, how to be strengthened, how to be full of zap. Here it is, Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 8. And he... This is one of Paul's friends had told Paul about the Colossian church and how full of faith they were and how zealously in love with the Holy Spirit they were. That's what he's saying. And he also informed us of your love in the Holy Ghost. Now, that's a little weak. Uh, the word love there means burning zealous on fire love. Burning zealous love for the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, for this reason, burning zealous love for the Holy Spirit, for this reason... We also, from the day we heard of it, your burning zealous love for the Holy Spirit, have, I'm screaming, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you. Now, this is a prayer God's going to answer for any of us and all of us that are zealously in love with Holy Spirit. He said, I'm praying and making special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and comprehensive insights into the ways and the purposes of God and in understanding and discerning of spiritual things. How many of us want to line up and say, yes, I want deeper, clearer understanding. Let, Let me look at that again. For this reason, I pray that you'll be filled with a full, deep, clear knowledge of his will in all, all, Spiritual wisdom and comprehensive insights into the ways and the purposes of God and in understanding and discerning of spiritual things. Verse 10, I'm praying that you might walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully, say fully, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper, and clearer insights and acquaintances and recognition. Verse 11. Wow. Let's just stop for a moment. Remember I said, I started out by, but the people that do know their God. See, we've got to get to know God to do these exploits, to have that fuller, deeper, clearer insights. A lot of people going, well, you know, I just can't understand the ways of God. Get with God. Holy Ghost will direct you. He'll show you and teach you and talk to you concerning the enlightenment you need from the Word of God. The Holy Ghost is our teacher. You believe that, don't you? Have you heard what Jesus said about Holy Ghost? You want to hear it? I'll show it to you. Hold your finger there. I've got a laminated piece of paper I can put Go with me, if you will. Uh, I'm, I'm going to show what Jesus said about the Holy Ghost. Je- not one single miracle is recorded in the New Testament that Jesus did until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. What? Yeah. Not one single miracle is recorded in the New Testament that Jesus Christ did until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was filled with the Holy Ghost, wasn't he? Acts 10.38 says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good. But here's what Jesus taught about the Holy Ghost. So he'll, he'll kind of help us and straighten us out on our doctrine concerning the Holy Ghost. Here it is. John 16, verse 13. This is in the red part of the Bible. Jesus talking. Listen to what he said. But when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. The whole truth, the full truth. 
For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that will come that will happen in the future. It's pretty sad. A lot of people are hooked on psychics. Psychics is, is psychic call the hotlines are growing. You know why? God's, many of God's people are paranoid. They don't get into the word of God. They think they can pick up and dial a 1-900 dial a demon. Psychics, you can't get the future from a psychic. You can get a demon. But you can't get the future. Right here, Jesus Christ said, the Holy Ghost will tell you what's going to happen in the future. Look what it says. Are you reading with me? He, he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. That's uh, John 13, uh, John 16, verse 13. Now watch this in verse 14. A, pe- a preacher came to me once. He said, oh, Bobby, I'd be so afraid just to let go and let the Holy Ghost have his way in my church. No telling what will happen. I said, hold on, brother. I'll show you exactly what will happen. Verse 14 will happen. He will honor and glorify me because he shall take a mine and receive and draw upon it what is mine and I and will reveal and declare and disclose and tra- transmit it to you. Wow. When the Holy Ghost has his way, Jesus gets glorified. Isn't that cool? Uh, but the Holy Ghost is really something. He's here to teach us. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. And listen, he's, I don't know, a lot of people have an idea of the Holy Ghost something between a parakeet and a pigeon. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> No, he's the only God agent to work on this planet. Holy Ghost is the only God agent to work on this planet. God the Father, we've already decided, is in heaven. God the Son is seated at his right hand. Guess who's down here? God the Holy Ghost. And he's powerful. Without him, we can't do a single thing. But in his empowerment, we can do anything. We can do what Jesus said. Remember Jesus said, these works and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. See, if I don't go to my Father, I won't send back the Comforter. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he'll guide you into all truth. Wow. Say all truth. truth. Oh, man. If I'd have found that verse a long time ago, I wouldn't have bought all those commentaries. (laughs) Back then, you had to buy big books, commentary books. Oh, Lord. Bigger than Sears Roebuck catalog. And you get to one of the verses that are complicated, and here's what the commentators would say. This is a very difficult passage to interpret. I go, good Lord, I knew that. (laughs) But if you want a good commentary, let the Holy Ghost show you what it says. He'll compare Scripture to Scripture, and he'll enlighten you about it. Don't you want to be enlightened? Boy, he will do it. He's your teacher. So let's go back to Colossians now. I'm excited about this verse here, that if you're zealously in love with the Holy Ghost... God is going to show you deeper, clearer, fuller insights into the ways and purposes of God. Don't you like the purposes of God? It in Ecclesiastes, the word Ecclesiastes means the preacher. The preacher tells us, Ecclesiastes 3.1, there is a time and a season and a purpose for every activity of God under heaven. A time and a season and a purpose for every activity of God under heaven. And then here we just found out that the Holy Ghost would show us that things and the purposes of God. So it'll help us to walk in the pathway God has for us if we'll be led by the Holy Spirit. Remember, I patted a brother in the chest last night and gave him what? Nehemiah 9.20. Nehemiah 9.20 says God gave him, them, the people of God, uh, uh, the good spirit. He gave his good spirit to them, and he said he'll guide them with his good spirit. 
Isn't that something? Nehemiah 9.20. You gave your good spirit and withheld not your manna from their mouth. Aren't you glad? I like that. Every time I read Nehemiah 9.20 and read that manna, you withheld not your manna from their mouth, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of Revelations 2.17. Revelations 2.17 says, To him that overcomes, I will grant to eat the hidden manna. Uh-oh. I'm already intrigued. Remember when I was growing up, there's a television program called Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> you, know, you know, he would start out with his profile and shat up against. But it always dealt with uh, un- unsolving riddles. And so the Revelations 2.17, it says, To him that overcomes, I will grant to eat the hidden manna. Let's stop just for a moment. God hides things from us for us. That's in the Bible. Proverbs 25, verse 2. Proverbs 25, verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, the honor of kings to search it out. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong unto the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong unto us and to our descendants from now on. There's a lighthouse. There's a lighthouse. Yeah. There's a tree. I like a tree, don't you? We'll be like trees of righteousness renowned of the Lord. But anyway, I just like to walk around up here occasionally to see if the cameraman's awake. <laughs> I've been in some meetings I walk off and you just, there's nobody there, just a podium, but you can hear me speaking. <laughs> secrets. God has secrets and he wants you to search them out. You can't discern them and discover them unless the Holy Ghost is with you. The Holy Ghost will guide you into all truth. And I'll tell you guys, we need a new understanding and appreciation for the Holy Ghost. He will unfurl the mysteries of God. Here's you another mystery about the mysteries of God, okay? Yes, Bobby. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Paul basically says there in 1 Corinthians 2, 6, I would not, I could not, I will not release this hidden wisdom until... I find me a group of people mature enough to be ripe in understanding. Verse 7 says, Then I will release this hidden wisdom that will catch you up into the glory of his presence. Anything and everything the Holy Ghost does for the saints of God is to accomplish that, to get us into the glory of God's presence. Let's look at that verse. Y'all want to? I quote verses and people go, No, you better read them. You better look at them. They're there. Now, people ask me, what translation do you preach out of? And I said, in all honesty, all of them. I studied, the, I studied this, the verses in every English translation I can find. And then when I preach, I amalgamate them together. For example, if you're, if you're studying Psalms 9210, the King James Version, my horn has been exalted like the horn of a unicorn. That doesn't do a thing for me, does it you? But you studied in the Amplified Classic, it says, My horn, my emblem of stately grace. I like stately grace better than a horn of a unicorn, don't you? <laughs> well, that's why you need to study the Bible in different translations. And then when I preach, I amalgamate them together. With, let, let's look, I, got, I, want, I want us to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2. Eh, y'all are not in a hurry, are you? No, we're here. And we're going to have a, a good little time with studying the Bible and the Bible study us. All right. Okay. Here we go. 
Oh, people ask me, how'd you memorize the Bible? I actually studied it till all of my fingers wore the print off the page. I got a stacks of Bibles about like this, where I wore the print off the page by studying it. Let me tell you about studying the Bible. You want to hear it? You never see the Bible the same way twice. It's like a diamond. It's the same diamond, but you get it into a different environment. Ooh, wow. And I told you last night, this is the most revelatory season any generation has ever lived in. We're walking in Matthew 13, 16, and 17. Matthew 13, 16, 17 says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and blessed are your ears, for they hear. Many long to see what you see, deeply desire to receive what you're hearing, but they could not. We're a privileged generation living in these last revelatory days. The unveiling, the revealing, the revelation of Jesus. Here we go. I'm in, I'm in 2 Corinthians, uh, I'm, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to start with verse 6. Yet when we are among, here we go, yet when we are among the full-grown, spiritually mature Christians, we do, who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom. The knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden, but it is indeed not a wisdom of this present age or the world nor this leaders and rulers of this age who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. Verse 7, but rather what we are setting forth is the wisdom of God once hidden from the human understanding and now revealed to us by God. The wisdom which God has devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification to lift us up into the glory of his presence. You see that? Did y'all, could you read that? This glory, this, this anointing, this secrets he's going to reveal will catch us up into the glory of his presence. Wow. What about the presence of God? Remember Moses said all the way back in Exodus, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't carry us anywhere because only your presence will make us unique. That's the only thing that makes us unique and separate from all the humans in the world is the presence. Wow. We're supposed to be a peculiar people. The word peculiar don't mean wacky and weird. It means a people surrounded by the presence of God. Wow, garrisoned. We're peculiar, garrisoned by the presence of God. Wow. His presence is everything, isn't it? Psalm 16, 11 said, In his presence is fullness of joy. Get into his presence. How do you do it? Psalms, the Bible never tells you to do something that doesn't take proper pathway to get it accomplished. Here it is. Uh, Psalms 24, 3 and 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, the presence of the Lord? That's the question. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Answer is he that hath what? Clean hands and a pure heart. Book Hebrews says, pursue peace and holiness, for without holiness no man will see the Lord, no man will get in his presence. We've got to get back to this throbbing desire to be pure. We've got to be pure if we're going to see the Lord. If he's going to use us and move in us and on us, we've got to be pure. Don't you think? Habakkuk said God is a pure eye to look upon iniquity. If you want to see it in its full manifestation, you want to see how, what God thinks about sin, go all the way back to the cross. You remember Jesus was there in the Garden of Gethsemane once praying right before the cross and says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Theologians, some erroneously say, he was praying you wouldn't have to go to the cross. Are you an idiot? He said, for this cause came I into the world. 
He knew he was going to the cross. What was he praying? What cup? I'll show it to you right here. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, though he was sinless, he became sin. He took up on him all the sins from Adam to that present day to the ends of the world. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And Habakkuk says, God is of a pure eye than to behold iniquity. So when his son became all the sin of all the people in the world, God turned his back on him. Remember what Jesus cried? My God! My God! Why hast thou forsaken me? If you read the Bible, Jesus didn't die by suffocation or a spear through his side. He died of a broken heart. Psalms 22 says, my heart is melted within me. You talk about a price. That's the first time, only time. First time, only time in the scriptures that Jesus Christ ever referred to God in a term other than Father. My God! See, he's not dying a son, but a sinner. Ooh. Wow. We're talking about the price of really getting to know Jesus and what he did for us. Wow. Wow, I can't. I wrote a book about it. It's a crazy thing. I preached on the cross hundreds of times. I'm sitting at my desk, and I got a piece of paper there, and I'm, I'm going to preach on the cross again. And I'm pulling my chair a little bit closer to the table. And on the, on the journey from pulling my chair to the, the table, I said a prayer, a sincere prayer, not a loud prayer. I muttered the prayer. I said, oh, Father, make this more than mere words. When I said make this more than mere words, so help me God, I was jerked up from the office and I was transported back 2,000 years in history. I find myself standing on the cobblestone streets in Jerusalem in clothes just like this. It's crazy. It's crazy. One second I'm in the office, next I'm standing on the cobblestone streets of, of Jerusalem 2,000 years back. I see a mob of people coming down a hill, and it's, it's, it's ruckus, and it's Jesus bearing his cross. My mind's active. I'm screaming, this can't be. I'm, I'm supposed to be in an office. Jesus walked from here to that flag and looked at me like this. When my eyes met his life, eyes, my strength gave way. I crumbled to the cobblestones, and I get up and go to the cross with Christ. I wrote a little book. You can order it from It's called The Cross little bitty book about that event. It'll take you five minutes to read it, but I promise you it'll take you a whole lifetime to get over it. That was back when Mel Gibson, it's before he did the movie, The Passion of the Christ, when this event happened. Churches bought that little book, The Cross Book, by the tens of thousands and stood at the movie theaters giving them out to the people that came out of the movie. What Mel Gibson couldn't capture were the smells, the smells of the cross. Demons everywhere whirling around, the smelling of urine and, and sweat and clotted blood. Jesus didn't die from the spear. He died of a broken heart. Wow, isn't that something? You read Psalms 22. My God, my God, why? Wow. Anyway, I want to get to know Holy Ghost because he's going to teach me about Jesus. Don't you want to be taught about Jesus? Wow, him to know, whom to know is life eternal. I'm, I'm going to show you something. You want to see it? Yes, Bobby. I'm going to show you. You can never learn all there is about God. You're to try to. Paul, oh, goodness. Paul's pretty amazing, and he? he wrote the biggest part of the New Testament. But he said, I barely know him. 
My whole pursuit is to push on to know him deeper, fuller. But I, I, want, I want you to uh, uh, look at a verse here that the Lord gave me. The Lord said, I've got a, a mission for you, Bobby. I said, I, I, that's okay. What is it? And he said, uh, I want you to discover all you can about me and then teach my people all that you discover. I said, oh, God, I'm delighted to do that. I want you to learn all about me you can and teach my people everything you're learning about me. I said, okay. Then he said, oh, and it'll take you eons of eternity and you still won't be finished. And he gave me this verse here. I'm reading from the Bible this morning. I'm reading out of Romans chapter 11, starting with verse 33. This is my operating manual to fulfill that commission. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unfathomable, inscrutable, unsearchable are his judgments, his decisions. And how untraceable and mysterious and undiscoverable are his ways, his methods, his paths. Verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord and who has instructed his thoughts or who has ever been his counselor? Verse 35, or who has first given anything to God that he might be paid back or that he could claim a recompense? Verse 36, for far from him and through him and to him are all things. For all things originate with him and came from him and all things live through him and all things center in and tend to consummate and end in him. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Oh, how unscrutable, unsearchable, how mysterious. Wow. You think you're just going to drop down and get 101 God? You're going to have to get into the Word of God and deep into the Holy Ghost to understand the mysteries of God. I'll tell you about that. Here's what God told me. You want to hear it? He said, Bobby, tell my people, I shout my truths, but I whisper my secrets. He shouts his truths. The book's full of them. But he whispers his secrets. So we need to get our ear near his lip, don't we? You believe you can hear God? Sure you can. John 10, 3 says that. People ask me, Bobby, how can I amplify hearing the voice of God? You want to know? Intimacy. Intimacy. Nothing will amplify hearing the voice of God like intimacy. My wife, Carolyn, and I have been married. This year will be 54 years. If she calls me and I go, who is this? Wow. I should be able to tell her emotional being just by hearing her voice. I could tell whether she's sad, excited. That's what it is with God. Nothing amplifies hearing the voice of God like intimacy. We've got to learn to have ears to hear. The Bible said the seeing eye and the hearing ear, both of these God has created. We need to work on our perception and discernment, don't we? What do you mean you've got to, we need to work on our deception and discernment? I've, I've counseled preachers that, well, the Lord told me to leave my wife and marry the youth director. You're an idiot. God didn't tell you that. That was the devil. We need to work on hearing the voice of God. You, anyway, people do some atrocious things and blame it on God. God don't lead you to do those atrocious things. He leads you to righteousness. Well, anyway, don't you want to learn to hear his voice? Why do we need to hear the voice of God? Oh, because it said in the last days people will be standing in pulpits teaching doctrines taught by devils. Yeah, is that what he says? I can show it to you. Teaching doctrines taught by devils. Well, so we need people that know the Word of God. So when they hear something, they go, yes. That matches up with the Word of God. 
And I'll tell you one thing. If you, as a child of God, you got the Holy Ghost inside of you, and the Holy Ghost will bear witness with the Spirit of God. And if somebody's saying something, something don't go right in your heart, you better listen. Everything glitters is not real gold. If you read that shepherd's rod, you find out about a pyrite. It's in there. Fool's gold. We need to make sure. Here's what God told me. You ready? He said, you tell my people, accept no imitation, then they can expect no limitation. Accept no imitation, then expect no limitation. We got to get it right. We get it right, God. God, God will give us everything we need. You believe it? Sure. So you doing well? Good. Glad you're here. God's up to something. He really is. He's teaching us how dependent we really are on him. We ain't got sense enough to get back to the house if he pulled his grace off of us. Yeah. We can't do a thing without him, without his grace. But we can do everything through his grace. We are absolutely dependent upon staying connected with the vine, aren't we? We really are. Without him, we can't do anything. But John 15 says with him. Here's a great verse about doing stuff with God. Psalm, uh, John 16, 24. John 16, 24 says, up until now, you've not asked. Ask now and you'll get what you're asking so that you'll be totally happy. John 16, 24, up until now. So there's periods of time that God withholds things till we get to the position of where we can handle the things. Up until now, you've not asked. Ask now and you'll get what you're asking so that your heart will overflow with happiness. Well, everybody okay? Yeah. That's good. Let's talk about creativity just for a moment. The Lord told me that we ought to be the most creative people on earth. And here's what he said. He said, I'm releasing an entrepreneurial spirit. And tell those that have an entrepreneurial spirit this. Anything that's been done once, there's a better way to do it. Anything that's been done once, there's a better way to do it. Whatever they've been, there's a better way to build a water bottle than this one. Anything that's been done once, there is a better way to do it. And you ask God, God's doing what he said in the book of Proverbs. I'm releasing witty inventions, smart plans that work out. And God's doing that for people now. And it's going to make them incredibly wealthy for the kingdom of God. There's new ways to build buildings that will be impervious to hurricanes and to uh, earthquakes. Isn't that crazy? I saw it. I drew, I drew, the, drew the plan out, carried it to an architect, and he goes, this is amazing. Anyway, I like that, don't you? You ought to listen. Here's what the Bible says. You ready? Trust the Lord, you'll be established. Believe his prophets and you'll prosper. That's 2 Chronicles 20, 20. Trust the Lord, you'll be established. Believe his prophets and you'll prosper. The word prosper, there's a Hebrew word that means it. Live at God's highest pointed level for your life. Now, I don't know, but when prophets come to town, you need to be big-eared. Ready to hear what God's going to say. Because, listen, God's not going to do a new thing on this earth without revealing to the prophets. That's Isaiah 48, verse 6. Isaiah 48, verse, verse 6 says, I'm doing a new thing. It's you now and not prior to now. So nobody be blasé about it. Brought into being by the prophetic word. Wow. I can show, well, it's documented if you want to pull it up on Google. We prophesied the biggest discoveries of all gas and natural resources in America. Me. Isn't that crazy? 
Believe his prophets, you'll prosper. The Barnett Shell, you ever heard of it? It's the largest gas reserve found in the history of America. Discovered in Fort Worth region. And I was down there in the Convergence Church one day preaching. Boy, they were at that time they were nailing up businesses in Fort Worth, putting high board over the glass and stuff. And I'm trying to preach that morning in Convergence Church there in uh, Fort Worth, and I, it was bad. I didn't feel right. I said, God, what is this I'm feeling? He said, it's blight. I said, I don't like it. He said, I don't like it either. So I said to him, what are you going to do about it? He said, take your finger, this one right here. Take your finger and point down right where you're standing, this downtown Fort Worth. Point your finger down and say, why, there's wealth right here where I'm standing. So I pointed this finger right down at the floor and said, why, there's wealth right here where I'm standing. Guess what they found? Right there, downtown Fort Worth, the largest gas reserve in the history of America. They paid $1 million a month, $12 million a year to drill. People had their houses bulldozed down to have gas wells drilled. Strangest contract ever. Anybody in the lineage line gets a check. Isn't that crazy? The Barnett Shell. Yeah, yeah. Balkings, you heard about that one? North Dakota, I'm up there. Anyway, it's wild. Uh, Edmonton, did you hear about that? I was in the Edmonton Civic Center. And anyway, I stopped preaching, started singing a Jed Clampett song. Up from the ground came a bubbling crude. <laughs> and I said, this oil is going to reappear in the sand pits. As we prophesied, they say 73 billion barrels of oil has surfaced in the sand pits of Edmonton. <sighs> Talking about Edmonton. This week, not this next, this, this coming week, we're going to be in Cincinnati. I'll be with you guys. We'll be with George Ann. That'll be something. And then after that, we're going to Canada. We're going to start on the east, on, on the east, side, the east side of Canada and go all the way to the west coast. Oh, city after city after city. And that'll be fun. Uh, we'll be doing a, 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 a different city every night. That'll be wild, won't it? Yeah, thank you. Well, anyway, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bilingual and tr- cross-cultural. Texas, we go, yeah! <laughs> Canada, they go, eh? <laughs> so I come up with, eh See? I, yeah. We have some wild times in Canada. But anyway, we, we'll be up there the rest of this month after Cincinnati. So y'all pray for us. If you've got people around there, tell them to come. It'll be, it, it's going to be wild. I like wild, though, don't you? I don't like, well, I've got a pretty good... And I've got a pretty good expectation of what's going to happen. Oh, listen. I am telling you, prepare to be surprised. I'm back at 1-5. God says, look. Look among the nations. I'll do a work. A work in your day. It'll be so marvelous, so magnificent. You barely can believe it. I'm back at 1-5. God said, tell my people, prepare to be surprised. I said, how can you prepare to be surprised? God's going to do something that blows our perimeters. He can do anything, can he? Yes. I'm back at 1-5. I don't know this morning service. Everybody, well, how long are we going to go? Just till we get tired? Oh, listen. You'll need a calendar. Yeah. But we're going to have another service today at 6. Is that correct? That'll be fun. You coming? Don't lie to me. I'm prophetic now. <laughs> Tell you what. I'll show you how prophetic works sometimes. There's this big old boy, uh, he's used to travel some with me, and just sweet as he can be, just rough as a cob, a pipeline welder, that's what he was when I found him, tough as a boot. I'm off somewhere in the world, and I see him in a tattoo parlor, and so I call him, and I say to him, get up out of that 
parlor and get back in your truck. He's right there and they're just scrubbing him down to give him this tattoo. Now, I, I like that, don't you? Scared the spit out of him. Yeah, isn't that something? Do you believe God will show prophets things about you? It says, the prophets hear what you whisper in the bedchamber. Wow. Some of you should be ashamed. Yeah. I'm telling you. Amos 3, 7 says, Surely, absolutely, God won't do a single thing on planet Earth without first revealing what he's going to do to his servants, the prophets. That's why it's a wise church that brings in the prophetic. Remember I quoted that verse, Isaiah 48, verse 6. It says, The new things are called into being by the prophetic word. So it's so important to hear and discern. Jot down. Keep notes. Uh, it's amazing. We prophesied about uh, in the shepherd's rod about events. And you can go all the way back. The, well, you can go all the way back. And in uh, 1998, I was riding the shepherd's rod for 1999. And that's where I prophesied about the terrorist attack. Back then, America, you never heard the word terrorist or terrorist attack. But uh, that's a crazy time. I'm in Tyler, Texas, and God said, go to Turkey and I'll speak to you. I said, God, speak to me in Tyler. So he said, nope, go to Turkey, I'll speak to you. Bought me a ticket, went to Turkey. Whew. That's where I prophesied about the terrorist attack, the one that happened 9-11. If you can read, you can read it. You can order our shepherd's rod for the different uh, archive copies of our shepherd's rod. It's crazy. The predictions that are made, and, the, and there's, a, there's people full looking through there and cataloging when the, they, the news media over and over and over says exactly ver, verbatim what the headlines will say in the Shepherd's Rod. One was, This will be an unparalleled light show. Tom Brokaw at that time said, This is an unparalleled light show. Well, anyway, so we need to get a new appreciation for the prophetic. Well, I don't understand. Well, listen. We've got to be more prophetic, haven't we? It's the only gift I found in the Bible. God said, covet to get is the gift of prophecy. Earnestly desire. I got it written down on a piece of paper. First Corinthians 14, verse 1. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire and love and make it your aim, your greatest gold. And he says, and cultivate spiritual endowments and gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Yeah, that's what it says. Especially that you may prophesy, interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. We need more prophets, don't we? God said, I remember they said to Moses, said, I wish all of God's people were prophetic. Yeah, I want to read that that uh, Isaiah verse just just to make. Well, let me get somebody. Uh, I get somebody else to read it. You, you you don't mind reading in public, do you? Well, of course not. Here we go. Just read this part. Do you mind? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll get close to it. Uh, yeah, just listen down through there. This is about the prophetic. Here we got a, two mics. This is a ooh. This got we got stuff around here. Isaiah 48, 6, you have heard these things foretold. Now you will see this fulfillment. And you will not bear, and will you not bear witness to it? I show you specified new things from this time forth, even hidden things kept in reserve, which you have not known. They are 
created now, called into being by the prophetic world, and not long ago. And before today, you have never heard of them, lest you should say, behold, I knew them. Yeah, see, that's good. <laughs> Look, let's, let's make sure you got it. You've heard these things foretold. Now you see this fulfilled. You need to look to see what's been prophesied to see if it comes to pass. Okay? You see this fulfilled. And will you not bear witness to it? I have shown you specified new things from this time forth, even hidden things. I like that. Isn't it? Hidden things kept in reserve, which you have not known. They, hidden things kept in reserve, are created now, called into being by the prophetic word. And not long ago and before today, you've never heard of them unless you go, I already knew that. You can't teach somebody something that they think they already know. Mm-hmm. We've got to have an open heart. Well, I know some prophetic. In my team, I never let anybody prophesy like this. Thus saith the Lord unto thee. Most of that is a religious bombastic spirit. If God's got something to say to you, he'll say it to you in a way you comprehend it. And uh, most of the people that I give a prophetic word to, the person sitting next to them don't even know it is one. Yeah, but I'll tell you what a prophetic word does. It validates and vindicates what God's already been saying to you. That's what it does. Well, anyway, uh, we're talking about... Oh, I didn't finish that Colossians thing. I'm down at verse 10. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Here we go. That you might walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him and desiring to please Him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing, increasing in, and by the knowledge of God, with fuller, deeper, clearer insights and acquaintances and recognition. Verse 11. We pray that you may be invigorated, strengthened with all power according to the might of His glory, to exercise every kind of endurance and patience and perseverance and forbearance with joy. There's that word, invigorate. We pray that you may be what? Invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory to exercise every kind of perseverance, endurance. Wow. If you know God's with you, it'll stabilize you. And he says, I will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. That's Paul and Silas. In a Philippian jail, God showed up, delivered him. Remember that? Wow. He won't desert us. Our problem is we desert him. If I had one big word to furl out over the body of Christ as a word of correction, here, here's, the word, here's one of the biggest words you and I need to grasp. And tonight I'm going to talk, talk about and teach about it. It's the word recalibration. If the church needs to do anything, it needs to recalibrate. I looked up the definition of recalibration. It means going back to the original point of accuracy. We've drifted way away from steadfast truth. And we need to recalibrate. So we're going to talk about that tonight at 6. I hope you'll come. You've got a lot of pins in this pocket. Let you hear. Oh, man. I'll take this. Let me write you something, okay? You don't mind that, do you? Oh, you got a book full of stuff here? This is... All right, in. You say, what you writing? I'm writing him a verse. There's your good verse. Okay? 
There it is. It's written in this green pen. When you're sitting at a red light and the light turns what? Green! It's time to go. Look at there. Now is the time. There's no need for hesitation. Now is the time. Second Corinthians six two. That knowing what a yeah, it says now is acceptable time. Today, if you hear his voice, yeah. Second Corinthians six two. Isn't it something how God has everything on time slots? I told you that verse a while ago. Now, up until now, you've not asked. Ask now and you receive what you ask. Yeah. So I'm sick. Wait, it's what? John sixteen twenty four. These are nice, aren't they? Yes. A lot of things to talk about, isn't it? Yeah. Let me see. Do you believe there's going to be an increase in demonstrated supernatural power? There's going to be an increase in the demonstration of supernatural power. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, it says, When I came to you, brother, and I came not with excellency of speech, declaring to you the things of God. But he says, I came with a demonstration of God's power. And that's what it says in 2 Corinthians 2, 4. It says, My, the kingdom doesn't consist just with talk, but God demonstrated deeds. So there's going to come a new revelation of supernatural power to the people of God. The strongest churches in the country are going to be those that really get the people involved in ministry. We're, we're training a bunch of spectators to sit and watch. That's not the kingdom of God. My job is to work myself out of a job. My job is Ephesians 4.11 is to train you, prepare you for the work of service. Yeah. Won't that be good? Yeah. And you can do it. I don't know where we got this. The biggest lie. The biggest misnomer I run into worldwide in the body of Christ is this. God only uses the superstars. If you're not some big name evangelist or this or that, God won't use furthest thing from the truth. If you want to see it amplified, Paul the Apostle was the greatest apostle I think we've ever found in history. Paul the Apostle. Started most of the New Testament churches, wrote the biggest part of the New Testament. But when God got ready to commission him and send him out, he called somebody you've never heard of. An unknown disciple, Ananias. I'd have got me some big wig, wouldn't you? I'd have got me somebody everybody knew. And, but God didn't. He's going to commission his number one chief apostle. And he calls a disciple that no one had ever heard of. Wow. Remember when he called him? Ananias. Yes, Lord. Remember when he called Saul on the Damascus Road? Who are you? Quite a difference there, wasn't it? Ananias was a seeker. Yes, Lord. That's who he's going to use, those that have been seeking him. Those that have been in the secret place of the Most High. Psalms 91. Don't you want to get in the secret place of the Most High? How do you do it? First of all, hunger. You've got to be hungry for God. How hungry can we get? Psalms, isn't it? Psalm 42. Like the little desert deer pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after thee. How old are you? 18. That's wonderful. God bless you. Got plans? You got, you got some plans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get up and eat breakfast. That's what I'm planning. <laughs> Be a history maker. Okay? I really mean that. Start setting goals and say, God, I'll do anything you ask me to do. I'll tell you, the happiest people I know. You know, I've been preaching 49 years, average speaking five times a week for 49 years. 
if you were to come up to me and ask me advice, I'll give it to you. Here's the best advice I can give to any of us, those of you watching. The best advice I can give to any of us is this, to be a successful follower of Christ. Swift and complete obedience. Do as quickly as you can, as thoroughly as you can, anything he asks you to do. He said half-hearted obedience is nothing but cloak rebellion. So obey him, okay? He'll teach you. He'll show you what to do. And you can be divinely unique with God. He totally understands us. Isn't that something? People feel like, oh, nobody understands me. God does. He totally knows every fiber about you. And you can be real with him. It's sad when some of the, one of the most dangerous places to get real is church. Everybody's super great, grand on Sunday. We need to have such a fellowship, such a brotherly love. We can share the real secrets of our heart. Yeah. Pray for, get before people come and say, oh, man, I'm having tough. Yeah. Okay. Another service tonight at 6. That's going to be fun. Are there songs whirling around about any? any? This is a great time for getting revelatory songs. It really is. And musical sounds. I, I just know, I don't know what you call the music, but I know when God's in it when he ain't. Now, th he came to me the other day, the other day, and he said, tell these musicians I'm going to start breathing again. You remember years ago there was this sound came out, and it sounded like it was computer generated? He said, tell the, these people I'm going to breathe on that again to reach a lot of these uh, younger people. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know what it is, but it sounds like a computer talking sort of. But uh, anyway, jump into one of those, see what happens. No, that was my. <laughs> one time the Lord told me, I love that Jimi Hendrix sound. That's what he told me. I said to him, sounds like two cats fighting in a sack. That's what I told him. The Jimi Hendrix, you know. But anyway. Yeah. Can you believe God's used me to give fashion designers fashion tips? Yeah. Hmm? Honest to God. I've given fashion designers fashion tips from God. Now, God can get his message through the most unlikely vehicle. You've got to figure out you're the postman, not the author. You just give what's given you. You know what I mean? You don't have the privilege of jotting it down. You know what I mean? You're not the author of the letter, just the postman. So anyway... You might ask, what was your prophetic word to the fashion person? You're going to lie. Well, anyway. It, it, it worked for her, anyway. So, yeah, I had a lot of stuff in here. Do you jot down stuff in your Bible? You want me to, I'll make the millennials good and mad. Here it is. You'll never memorize a Bible on a computer or an iPad or a tablet. It's a great way to study the Bible. It'll pull up the verses just like that, but you can't memorize it. You can read from a tablet, flip the tablet, and two seconds later, you can't tell me what you just read. You're not geared for that. You take the tablets to pull up the verses, and then you take you a Bible. I mean, a Bible. A printed Bible. And you set it down and open that Bible to that verse. You take a pen, a pencil, and you circle it. You, you write what it said to you about it. That's how you memorize the Bible. You can't do it electronically. It's a great tool to study with, but it won't 
stick in your brain. Okay? Run your finger across the page, color that thing, mark that thing, and listen, it'll get in your heart. The words of this law shall not, not depart from your eyes. You shall meditate. See? It'll get in there. Okay? Now, you go, well, I like my, I, I got verses all over my phone. But when you get in the airplane or something like that, put you some headphones on instead of listening. I'll chamma down. Listen to the Bible. Whatever comes in here will get down in here. You understand that? Well, anyway. Listen to the Bible. Read the Bible. If you read it, it'll start feeding you. I've, I've desired your word more than my food. That's what the Bible talks about. Well, we've got to go. What's your name? Emily. God bless you. How old are you? I'm 75. You're 21? God bless you. I tell you about life. Enjoy it. Don't somewhere down the road expect to start enjoying it. Start right now today. Start to say, I'm going to enjoy this. You might say, well, Bobby, i got so much opposition. Listen, in the midst of all that, rejoice. Yeah. When things look like they're coming unglued, rejoice. Uh, I get I fly every week. I get so tired of people taking God's name in vain. You know, and one of the favorite things now is they blasphemously say, Jesus Christ. Alright. Now I'm not recommending you do this, but I'm on a plane and the guy's up there trying to close the overhead and it's having a little difficulty. And he's slamming it. He's slamming it and he cuts loose. He uses God's name in vain and Jesus Christ. So he sits down and I jump up and go, damn Buddha! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just. Yeah. You can't imagine how many people I offended. And they sit there as the guy just turned the air purple with blasphemy. So I wanted equal airtime. So I jumped up and damned Buddha. And Buddha is damned. All of his followers are damned. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name given among men whereby you must be saved. You say, you mean everybody that's not Christian is going to... Yep. Muslims, Mormons, anybody that don't know Jesus is going to hell. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You say, now Bobby, we need to be more perverse. No, we better love people enough to tell them the truth. You can't get there any other way than Jesus. But he is accessible and he's available. And if you'll come to him, he will receive you. Yeah. All that come to me, I'll in no wise turn away. Ah, boy. It is so strange how we get into these compromising situations. We better tell the truth about the truth. Because one of these days, God's going to say, why didn't you tell them? If I tell you to warn the wicked man of his wicked way and you don't do it his blood, I'm going to require it your hands. Ooh. That's motivation to stand up now and speak up, don't you think? But we need to do it out of love. If people know you love them, you can tell them just about anything. 
I'm telling you, that's true, isn't it? Well, okay. What I tell you? You're a good reader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk to this side and we'll go home. What you gonna do the rest of the day? You got any ideas? That was my number in football, number 22. Oh. School got in my way of having fun. My drama teacher, Miss Ellis, y'all didn't know Miss Ellis, did you? So help me God, Miss Ellis, you know, the, when you graduate, you get a yearbook. Miss Ellis wrote in my yearbook, I graduated well in 62, I think it was. I was incarcerated, but they sent me my diploma. But <laughs> this is true. Miss Ellis wrote in my yearbook, it's your fault. I had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Honest to God. But that was my number in football. I was pretty good at football. I, I was middle linebacker. You didn't have to worry about just knock, the, knock somebody down and get the guy at the ball. See, that simplified it, you know. I went back and played an old-timers football game. My wife said, Bobby, don't do it. I said, yep, I'm doing it. She said, Bobby, don't do it. I said, yep, I'm doing it. Just to be honest, it was full pads, full contact football. And I hadn't been in a football uniform in years. These are college kids, guys playing football. They're all suited up. Here I am in my middle linebacker position. Boy, the, they, it was, they, we went back to the school I graduated from, and they made a video for, to raise funds. I tried to buy up every video. You know, It was pitiful. But the first couple of plays, it was spectacular. I bust through the line, knocked them guys down, and stuffed the quarterback. About the third play, I couldn't even spit. I was so tired, I'd try to spit and it'd hang on my lip and I'd have to paw it off my foot. It's crazy. My mind was still working real good. The quarterback would pull back in my mind and go, It's a pass! The bot in my body goes, <laughs> One guy got his thigh bone broken. It stuck out. It was crazy. People got concussions. I was sore for weeks. I mean, I had this languish in agony. And my wife said, I told you. <laughs> but anyway, school is pretty wild. But anyway. The drama teacher. <laughs> yeah, the drama teacher, bless her heart. Mm. You ought to hear some stories. Yeah. Bad school stories. I stole a loaded well. Me and the football team one Friday night about, well, Saturday morning. Back in Texas, you have to do something to entertain yourself. So I was lost, a heathen. And in Texas, everybody had chickens in. And chickens sleep in a tree, stick their head under the wing like Christians. You know. They're the easiest thing in the world still. You just walk them, jerk them out of the tree. And we stole, well, we got a whole truckload of chickens. It's fun while you're doing it. Then it's about to come sun up on Saturday morning, and we got a truckload of chickens. <laughs> somebody come with the idea, what are we going to do with the chickens? I, somebody said, let's put them in the school. <laughs> now listen, you would have thought they would lock a school. We go up there, front door's locked. Window to the 
the superintendent's office is locked. Everything's locked except the study hall window. We dumped a truckload of chickens in the school. A, a truck, we was catching sick chickens and stuffing them in feed sacks. So we emptied a whole truckload of chickens in the school. And it's early Saturday morning. You don't have any concept what kind of a mess a truckload of chickens can make in Brownsburg High School. All day Saturday, all night Saturday night, all day Sunday, all Sunday night, then Monday morning. Monday, Monday. Oh, man. They own the school. Chicken stuff everywhere. <laughs> I mean, all over everything. Now, I'm going to give you one other piece of advice. If you ever steal a load of chickens and dump them in your school, vacuum your truck. <laughs> Here's what happened. They called us the whole football team in there, and they said, uh, y'all did it. We know you've done it. We've got the proof. And said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to come to school. You're going to do the two-hour football workout. And then you're spending two hours in the school scrubbing down the school with bleach and little brushes no bigger hardly than toothbrushes. It's awful. We scrubbed things that didn't even need to be scrubbed. I mean, had to scrub it down with this bleach spray that off, wipe it off. Toxic! You know, it wasn't near as much fun as it was Friday night. But that's the cleanest the school's ever been, I suppose. But anyway, that happened in school. A lot of things happened in school. I got to go back and preach there on my, you know, when they'd been, I don't know, 40 years or something like that. It's wild, but we got to go. Everybody Okay. Now, if you'll come back tonight, we're going to talk to you about recalibration. We're going to talk to you about how to reset your passion for the Lord. He never leaves us, but I can show you a verse in the Bible that says, we've abandoned him. Wow. Can you imagine? We want to get back to first love, don't we? That's what we got. We got to get back to first love. Wow. God bless you. Okay? Would you put your hand on your heart? And say this with me, okay? You ready? Wow! 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 There's nobody like me. There's nobody like me. I'm one of a kind. I'm one of a kind. God made me. God made me. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve him. I am. I am. Unique. Unique. You are unique. There's not another human being like you. 7.6 billion people alive and not anybody like you. That's divine uniqueness. And he wants something special for you. Don't you think? Well. Now here's what I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you'll get retention of the word of God. God said, explain to the people you're preaching. I said, okay. He said, when you preach to the people, leave their head along. Fling is the word he used. Fling the seed into their heart. I will guard the seed you fling in their heart. I'll keep the fowl of the air from stealing a single seed. And I'll cause the seed to spring up and bear forth fruit that will remain. So that's why you need to get the copies of the messages. Listen to it again because the seed is inside of you. Okay? Yeah. He said, I'll guard the seed and I'll cause it to spring up. You can't take notes as fast as we preach. 
but you can get the thing again and you go, oh my, I didn't even hear that. And you'll retain more of it. So I'm pray for you to have retention. You want it? Yes. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, your Holy Spirit will give us recall and retention of the facts and the scriptures that you're putting in our heart. You said if we'll pack them in, you'll pull them out when we need them. So Lord, I thank you, Holy Ghost. You will be our guide. You'll be our counselor. You'll teach us. You'll bring to our remembrance the things that you've taught us. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Ex- Convict us and extract from us everything that disappoints the Lord, that disturbs the Lord in our life. We want unfettered access to the presence of the throne of God. You said, Father, who has been in my courts? Who's heard my counsel? Lord, we want to all say, I have. So, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the people of God, those that are in this room and those that are watching. And I pray over them the wonderful favor of God. I pray that this would be a time that you would just bask over them with your wonderful sunlight. Let the rays of your shining glory be on the dark.